Continuous Personal Renewal, a lifelong personal growth plan by Paul Bucknell. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation. First presented at Chinese Mission Conference in 2010. I really enjoy just being able to share with you things about personal renewal and growth because it's been a very important topic for my own life uh, through my uh, own experiences as everyone. Uh, we always find those times uh, where we're struggling, where we're trying to figure out how you can grow during those situations. So today's topic is continuous personal renewal. And the assumption behind that is that at any point in our life, there at that point, we can find renewal. It's not just something that we do once in a while, but it's something that's perhaps more like brushing your teeth, things like this. I'm looking for something deeper that can bring us to be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit every day. It's a lifelong personal growth plan, as I share that. You heard some about my ministry. I just uh, share a little bit more about my family. Uh, this is all our children and my son-in-law on the right. Uh, I have two grandchildren now, uh, only one there. This picture's already two years old. It's just great having a big family, and some people say, oh, I have one child, and I can't manage that one child. Well, you can look at our parenting book. Uh, we have a lot of experience, and we share those with you. But really, seriously, you know, God means children to be a blessing, a family to be a harmonious time. That's not how that family I grew up in. I grew up in a very disunited family, a family filled with a lot of uh, secularism, a lot of issues, a lot of anger, a lot of hatred, divorce in my family. And those are things I had to struggle with when I was growing up, issues that really had to deal with and issues that laid a bad foundation in my own personal life so I could grow when I later became a Christian. My family doesn't know the Lord. I'm still trying to share the gospel with them, probably like some of you here too. But it's really special to realize that God does understand each one of our circumstances. And he's working. He has a special plan for each of us. And usually we think of that concept of special plan. Okay, he's going to get me into the kingdom doors. And his kind of plan almost stops there. Well, it goes way beyond that. And I want to unfold that a little bit more as we go along and discuss these things. Four parts, struggles in our spiritual life, development at each stage of our spiritual lives, and then actually two charts that I have for you, but one that you're going to write on more so, a personal development chart for you and others. I say for others because it's not only personal renewal for us, because wherever in your life you have to be, God has put you there to bring renewal to others. That's the way I look at it. I mean, that's why he called us to make disciples. Making disciples is not making disciples of replicas of our old nature. You know, follow me, how impatient I am. Can't listen to my parents. I can't stand my parents. You know, imitate me, be a good mentor. You know, I'll be a good mentor for you. And that's not the kind. We're seeking to be those people that God really wants to fill us with. We want to be those change instruments. So not only we changed, but God's able to use us to bring renewal to others. Here's a verse in 2 Peter 3.18. It says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it just kind of opens the door. This is the pathway for each one of us to grow in. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. In other words, Christ is so real that we can grow, that we can develop in those areas. 
Now, that's rather intangible somewhat, isn't it? Okay, I know I'm supposed to, but I don't know how. Well, I hope today that we kind of go through some illustrations and teaching from scriptures to help us make that a lot more practical. Uh, I understand. I, I had to meditate on this a long time before I began to understand it. It is a little bit more abstract. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your wonderful grace in our lives. We ask that you might come in our presence, that the Spirit of God might work in each one of us, not only to make us people that are renewed, people that feel vigorous, eager to serve, but also those people, Lord, that we can lead others into a closer relationship with you. Lord, thank you for calling us to be yours. Bless us time, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So let's start off by the struggles in our spiritual life. I'm not going to spend much time on this. Why? Because I think we all know about our struggles in our spiritual lives. There's something that we all have. Now, I've been a Christian about 43 years. I'm actually 55, but that makes me... I became a Christian around 12 years old. But you know, just think about the struggles we have. You know, sometimes God... He opens a door, you know, and we just so excited. And then all of a sudden, it seems like the door's closed. It seems like everything's going wrong. And we just, what's going on? And we begin to have troubles. Sometimes in our spiritual lives, we've been growing strong for so long, and then we go to a spiritual doldrums, where it seems like, God, where are you? Are you hiding from me now? You know, and this is the way we're thinking. There's a lot of struggles, whether we're in ministry or just became a Christian, whatever. Sometimes it's more obvious we're in disobedience. But a lot of these times, not necessarily at all those issues. What do you see here? A bamboo forest, right? I don't know if you've ever been in one. But, you know, the, the problem is, if you look carefully, if you're in the middle of it, where do you go to get out? And that's the way I think about our spiritual life sometimes. We're looking so closely at an issue. I get married to this wonderful person, and now it seems to be the worst marriage in the world. Why did God allow me to marry? You know, and why did I do this? And we run into issues like this, and when all of a sudden, you know, we're stung inside, and we don't know where we can be renewed. And so we look closer, you know, and we take closer, and we look, and it's just like everything's locked up. And the closer we look, the more we're confused. Were you ever lost? Maybe you were lost in the blizzard yesterday. It's all white out. I don't know which way I'm going. You know, I've been there. You can't see the sides of the road. And you're driving down. Say, well, I don't know how long I'll be here because uh, you don't know where the ditch begins. Uh, or you've been in the desert. I don't know which way to go, left or right. It all looks the same. Or if you've been out in the boat, away from the coastline, don't know which way to go. Or sometimes, more obvious probably, in the city. They have street signs, but you're totally lost. You know, that's the way we are sometimes. But, you know, the more you look at it in a close way, what happens? It's not going to help you. You ever use Google Maps? I'm sure most of you have, right? What I find sometimes, I'm looking for an address. There it is. We, we're in a nice overview, right? And they put a red arrow down there. Oh, that's where I want to go. I want a closer look. What do you do? You know, on my computer, you click twice. Zoom right in, right? So you're zooming in, and then all of a sudden, hey, where, where's the address? What's happened here? Somehow, because it's not in the center of the picture, you zoom in. You happen to zoom in on a different part 
than you were thinking that you were zooming in. It doesn't help. But I find if I really want clarity, what do I do? I back away again. I, I focus that into the middle. Then I can go down and zoom where I am. You know, if we want to get a good picture of our spiritual lives, whenever we're confused, whenever we're troubled, what I want us to do is to learn how to step back, okay? Step back. Because the closer you get, you're going to just get more confused, more bamboo, you know? And, and I'm just, I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. Because, you know, I practice praying more. I talk to my pastor, my youth leader, whoever it might be. And I'm just still don't know what to do. So one of the things I want us to do is to kind of step back, and we'll do that in a moment. But I want to just caution you on one thing before we move on and look at three different viewpoints. You see, the source of our problems is very important for us to discover. Let me just say four things it is not. Our problems is never the Word of God. It, the problem is that God cannot speak to it, it says that we are born again, 1 Peter 1, 23, born again of the seed which is not perishable but imperishable. It's the living and abiding Word of God. Now what does that bring to your mind? It's something like bubbling, you know? It's something moving, something active. Wants to bring innovation, change, mobilization to my life. The Word of God is always like that. Remember the parable of the sower? The problem was never the seed, was it? The problem was where the seed was located. Now, I don't have time to go into it. That's a whole other message. I'd love to do that, um, but I can't do it. It's the Word of God. It's not the problem. And whether you think the problem is whether it's accurate or something, that is another issue. Again, the problem is not the Word of God. The problem is your doubt in the Word of God, the efficacy of the Word of God, the power of God's Word. That's your doubt. Okay? The trouble is not in God's will, whether he really wants to grow in my life, whether he can do anything more in my life. Can you read this with me? Colossians 1.28. Teaching every man with all wisdom that we present every man complete in Christ. God's will is what? Present every man and woman complete in Christ. Now, you might not have this goal for your life, but what is God's goal? to make you complete in Christ. And uh, that takes a little time. Okay, oh, wow. You know, I'm just trying to be me. Well, hold it. That's not the goal. Our goal is to be, see, what does it say? Every person complete in Christ. So my goal is that I would be complete, fully mature in Christ. And this is a goal that God puts before us, and he has given us all we need to activate that. Now, this is important, by the way, because hope is one of the steps to renewal. And if you don't have hope, then you're not going to have renewal. The renewal has to come back because we know God is working in my life still. That God does have something beyond what I have right now. I don't like what I have. I don't want it. And I don't know how to get rid of it. I say I'm a Christian, but I don't even want to share the gospel. Why would anyone want to be a Christian? I'm just kind of emphasizing things. That's the way we feel sometimes, isn't it? But you see, there's renewal there. And the Christians can go through difficult times. They can through, go through times of questioning. But they don't need to end there. Because God has a way. He's not troubled with that. 
He's not troubled with that at all. Two more things. God, it, the problem is not in God's power. Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in me will continue it. What? To the day of Christ. In other words, as long as I live with my physical features here on earth, he's going to keep working with me. He began it. He's going to continue it. God is faithful to ultimately work that plan in my life. That is God's power. He is not limited to my situation, where it's my personal issues, my family problems, my ministry issues, my job. Not at all. He can work through it. So I'm not trying to step you back. I'm just trying to go back now. It gives you a little more broader perspective here. It's so important that we understand this. And the problem is not who we are. You know, so why is God being so good to him and to her, but not to me? No, 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 no. You know, for whoever is led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you indeed are one of his children, you have come into his kingdom. You can be sure God has a wonderful plan that he wants to work in your life. Now, again, as I said, his plan is not only to get us into his kingdom. Ah, now you're mine. His kingdom to bring the fullness of Christ in your life, to let him be magnified through your life, through the way you serve and give. Now you say, okay, can you get to how I can get there? Huh? You see, these are not the problems, the word of God, God's will, God's power, or even who we are. We are bound for success. But if you doubt any of these issues, I want you to see here Ephesians 6 style, okay? The spiritual armor. Satan is making us question whether any of these or other ultimate truths are real. If you just flip the page, right here there's a box. Those are some spiritual truths. And you can just read through that sometime. You'll be able to understand some truths that are just not going to change. But to any degree that you question these, your friendship with God, his purpose, good purpose in your life, then you're going to have some understanding that you should step back and say, whoa, Satan has somehow hooked me. He has somehow infiltrated my mind and brought me to doubt the word of God, whatever. We have to step back. Remember, the issue's not here. It's going to be that Satan has blinded us and is sneakily working in our life. Now, I might not see that, be that way, seem that way, but it is, it is. I just want to reflect a little bit before we go on. Do you see, sense any confusion in your own soul? Do you sense there's a need for renewal? Try to identify that. Don't be afraid of that problem, okay? You can be upset. That's okay. You can be angry. All right, that's okay. Be honest, all right? That's where your starting point is. And uh, that's important because otherwise you're going to just kind of stamp on these spiritual problems and hide them from you and everybody else. And you're not ever going to get to where you need to go. You never will. Observe what you or others are focusing on. Remember that picture of the bamboo forest looking closer and closer. If you think, and it's usually this way, we learn from the Garden of Eden and from my kids, you know, it's his problem. You know, it's my boss's problem. Okay, that's a myopic vision, you know, looking really close at something, and it becomes very confusing. You need to step away. 
let me assure you, it's probably not the full problem. Is that other person, your spouse, your family member, uh, your boss? It's probably not that at all. Uh, that might be part of it. But step back a little bit. Step back. And then you want to seek his wisdom, his love, his protection, his guidance. See, once you're honest, then you say, I need a savior. Anybody need a savior? Sure. You know, we usually say savior to get into the kingdom of God. No, we need a savior to lead us in a valiant life, to be a believer. That's what we need a savior for, to lead us forward into the promised land so we can conquer the land. Now, part of that land is us, you know, my old man, my flesh. But part of it is trying to accomplish God's purpose in my life. We'll look at that in just a moment. Just think a second. Now, I want you to write down, by the way, you should have a pen in your hand. When have you come to a workshop? It means work. You don't have no pen in your hand. He's from Ithaca, I know. But he doesn't, I know, I also know he doesn't have a pen in his hand. So, but you know, you're not going to be writing anything down to take with you. You're going to learn so much in a seminar, in a, in a conference like this. You've got to be taking notes. And what I do is, by the way, at, at the end of a seminar, I might circle the three big things God is speaking to me about. I just want you to think about God. I say, God, bring in your wisdom, your light, your guidance, your comfort, your presence. Just ask him quietly, okay? And he'll begin to do that. It's the way it works. You gotta quiet down. Don't get so uptight with a problem. Step back a little bit. That's what we wanna do now. The path to spiritual growth. I wanna give you three broad perspectives. Now, the first one is a redemptive perspective. This is very good, but it's very limited in one sense. Now, I'll share how that is. Now, we're chosen from eternity in Christ, Ephesians 1, 4. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. That's amazing. He forever wanted us. There was no time that he said, okay, yes, you. No, from eternity, he wanted us to be his. And it's just an amazing thing. And, and, and this is really makes us to feel part of God's work. You know, in time, somehow we were saved. But as things went on, we come back and say, I belong to God. I live for his purpose. I live for his purpose. Now, the problem with this, now, this, now let me just give two aspects here. On the one hand, this is not enough. I, I, I find people that say, you just need to believe in the gospel and everything will be well. And you say, I believe in the gospel. You don't say that out loud, but I, I do believe in the gospel. Everything is not well. <clears throat> now, what do they mean? Well, the gospel is something really broad here. But it doesn't help bring that renewal because we're not stepping back too much. Let me just say, yes, this sense of the gospel is very good if you are questioning your salvation. Now, I will say this, that if you right here today or someone you know sensing a crisis in their life and wanting renewal and they're questioning whether they're even saved, you know that this is what they need to talk about, that redemptive perspective. There's something's not clear. Maybe when they were saved or why they question it now. That's something you go, 
This is what Ephesians 6, it says, put on the helmet of salvation. You take that helmet off, Satan's going to wound your head, and that's it for you. And I've seen people like that. I was recently talking to someone, a pastor, he's a pastor actually, and he told me, he's a little older, and he said, well, I've been through the reform, I've been through the charismatic, I've been through this uh, revival movement, and I've been through the orthodox. Now he's back to a traditional church. All right, I said, tell me about it. <laughs> but this is his problem, you see. He's, he's wondering what's happening, how to get deeper. So this is one perspective, but it doesn't get quite deep enough for us in a renewal, for many of us. We've got to get a different perspective. This is a nice broad perspective. Let me talk about the plan perspective. The plan perspective talks about how in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created for Christ Jesus for good works that we that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God has already worked out all the things he has for you to do. And so you're bored about Christian living? No, you shouldn't be, because he has a whole line of things for you to do. Now, talking to a Christian, sometimes they feel like, I don't have any purpose. This is a good perspective here. Because all of a sudden, wow, you mean God has things lined up for me? I just have to find what those are. That's great. You know, they were thinking, God doesn't have any purpose for my life. So God's plan for our lives encompasses many activities, specific actions throughout our lifetime. It will include, like I called my wife this morning, I'm fine, how are you? Are you feeling well? Things like that. You know, you might not think of that as a work or anything. I assure you, that is an outflow of love thinking about someone else. Now, we don't think about that as work, but that is work. Not work to gain acceptance before God, it's work that outflows from our salvation relationship with God, his love in our lives. And so we're asking people that we don't like. Now, I'm not telling you I don't like my wife, but I mean just generally other people. We're even concerned about them. We'll pray for them. Pray for those people that don't like you. Yes. <laughs> A planned perspective. But, you know, what happens is you find people very involved in service but they get burnt out. They've been very zealous, moving along in their Christian life. Everything seems fine, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's just the lack of growth. I don't know what to do. I feel very confused. You know, sometimes this uh, goes along with different periods in our life, our physical development. Yeah, that's true. But don't be, don't be troubled about those times. Okay, don't be troubled. God has instilled those changes physical changes in our life. I just became senior officially, I think, this year, 55. I got my first senior discount. But, you know, I, I shouldn't really panic about that. I think God, I know, it comes from the curse, right? You know, die, I got to die. Yeah. But the point is, there's that sense of God working in my life, trying to use every last moment while I'm on earth so that he can be glorified. And when we capture our life in that way, whether we're in sickness, I have a bad throat, right? For three days, I, I begin talking and I can't talk anymore. I don't know what happened. You, you know, brother, you're you ready to take over. I run out of steam here, okay? You know, but really, I, can't, I might not. But I've been feeling not so good. But you know, the point is, even through these times, times of sickness, emotional distress, depression, discouragement, be honest, okay? And when we get down, we can start getting closer to God. 
It's when we're afraid of these things that we kind of blame God. We never can get close to him. We're, we're always blaming others or other things. But God really does want to work in our life. And if you don't find that purpose, this is great. I want to spend most of my time on this. I call it the development perspective. It comes from 1 John 2, 12 to 14. I have written, in fact, I have several. I just came back from Burma. I spoke 12 hours on this. Just this. <laughs> 12 hours, literally. literally. But they went home changed. Uh, they were going up to the China border, uh, these guys. Uh, they said, I never understood how discipleship worked. I never knew how to grow spiritually. I never knew how to help someone else grow spiritually. But this is what it's all about. Of course, I don't have much time to spend here. But let me give you a highlight of a few things. You know, 1 John 2, 12, 14 says he's writing to three different groups. The first one is children. He repeats each group twice. I did not write the full verses here. The children stand for new Christians. The young men speak about the spiritually young believers. And the fathers, they speak about the maturing Christians. John is writing as the one of great experience and kind of putting every believer into one of these three categories. Levels, if you want to call them that. We don't call them that in physical development, do we? If you're growing up, you don't say you're in level one, level two, level three. You say, well, you're a child, you're a teen, you're an adult. Something like that, right? But at each stage, and this is what you want to understand, at each stage you are to develop in a certain way. At each stage, you will be learning acquire new and different skills. You, perhaps with physical development, with people growing, right? Uh, the children growing, the teens, all of a sudden. You know, I have four teens right now. Uh, you can ask me about it if you want. My voice will probably run dry. But, uh, you know, I have four teens at home. Actually, one's in college, sometimes home. They're going through all this, oh, I'm looking at life all different now. So they're looking at daddy and mommy all different now. Whoa, you know, and say, hey, you're not perfect. What about this? You know, and things like that. I mean, you can, you can get alarmed and defensive. But, you know, they're going, you have to understand where they're going through and developing. To. Spiritually, it's the same way. There is a spiritual growth that's happening in each believer. For the new believer, it's pretty much more straightforward. There's several things that need to happen. Uh, as I said, I've had eight children. And each one's been through my arms and through my wife's arms a lot more. Holding them, what do they need? Can you hear? Of course you know what they need, right? They need that food. They need that love. They need to be pampered and cared for. Now, do you care for your teen that way? No, no, they would not like that. Uh, give me the chicken pieces. Uh, but, you know, skip that, you know, over tenderly expression. You don't need to hug me too much. It's a little bit different. And you, as you see, things happen and things change. Spiritually, things are changing in our relationship. At each stage of our spiritual lives, God wants us to grow and develop in special ways. I'll highlight that in another chart in just a moment. I wanted to give you the biblical perspective, where that I came from. If you look at it more carefully, you'll see how it describes what John actually says what they are learning at each of those stages. Now, let me just show you here the new Christians are the little children, the young men are the spiritually young believers, the fathers are the maturing Christians. And what we find here is the same in real life. 
is that life is going through us all the time. Now, in our physical development, is it not true that we're always growing? It's the same life. I'm maturing, but it's the same life. You want to understand spiritual development? You understand physical development. God uses what we see physically to understand the spiritual, what we can't see. And it's remarkable. You will get so much insight if you just think about growing up because it's so true. It's the little children that need a lot of comfort, protection, and care. Something changes at a certain stage. You look back and say, that's not a little baby anymore. He's walking on his own. He's going places. He's going to take the bus by himself. You know, he's going to pay, buy his first thing in the store. Or he's going to be using a credit card. He's going to take his first plane ride. Things are happening. And it's taking a whole bunch of different skills. The relationships are changing. A new believer should probably grow, I believe, in about six months with good one-to-one -one training. Honestly, I believe that's six months. You give it a year if you want. Spiritually young believers, teens do not aren't teens forever. They might want to believe so. By my haircut, you know, I'm still looking like a teen even though I'm older. You know, we're trying to be there, but we're not. Teens, only eight years or so, right? It's not too long. Same with a young believer. Young believers need to grow out of this within probably three years. And then everybody into the maturing father. It's the same life. It's the same spirit that gave us the seed, the word of God that brought an imperishable life that is working within us. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I want you to know you have everything to be renewed. If you are a believer, you have everything to be renewed. These are three general perspectives. I'm going to talk about that last one a little bit more in a moment. I just want to review these three before I go on. First of all, our sonship. Remember the redemptive plan? God has brought me into his family. Do I doubt my salvation or the importance of Christian life? So if we do, we need to go back to that. Our part, God's plan. God treasures our active participation in his glorious kingdom. Thirdly, our growth, God's life in us. When I pay attention to what God wants to do in my life, then I can grow in my relationship with him. If you pay attention to what God wants to do in your life right now, then you can grow in your relationship with him. The key, find out where you're at and what God is doing. Remember, God is wanting to do something. That's not the problem. He can do it. That's not the problem. The question for us to discover today, what does he want us to do? What is he trying to do right now in my life? Now, sometimes we're a little impatient, and so we want to miss this lesson. But as a good trainer, he says, no, you have to learn this lesson before you can go on. That's what we need to learn. So let's go on. Development at, of each stage of our spiritual lives. I want to go through each of these stages a little slower, but not too, too slow. Now, these are going to match the circles that we just had. I use the name level one, okay, stage one. This is where the children learn love. They get, again, a strong sense of security from God's love. When you became a new believer, how many here had one-to-one -one training? Can you raise your hand? Okay. How many here, when you were physically born, you had one-to-one -one training? In other words, you had a mom who took care of you, that held you. But you see what I'm saying? 
what's wrong with our church? Here is someone that what they need to learn is that intimacy, that love, to provide that knowledge of security and salvation in our life. And it's not there. And a lot of us, we, when you go through a trouble, do you question God? If you question God, then you have some problems still here. And you have to go back here to learn some of these things. I, 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 I still have to go back here once in a while and remind myself the truth. It's a strong security in his love. In other words, no matter what I'm going through in my life, I should come out of there and just have a strong trust in him. Trust comes from a sense of security. If I don't have that trust, once he works with me on this next level, when challenges come, when the team gets out there and faces the world rather than just family, hey, those people are mean. What's going to happen? You see, unless you have a good foundation, you're not going to be able to grow in the second level. This is where most believers are at a problem with. They haven't learned that security, and so they don't develop proper at the second level. The second level is where you establish hope. First John, by the way, talks about this. Knowing how, he says, you have overcome the evil one. You have learned how to use God's word to overcome. This is the, the teens. They feel strong, right? They're active. I'm ready for anything. That's the way they are. It's great. And they got all this new knowledge, new understanding, new relationship. Oh, they're just so excited. You can't, you can't beat them in their excitement. This is the time God wants to train them so they have confidence in God's word. How much confidence do you have in his word? I find, and it's a shame, that today, um, even a lot of pastors, they're trained. When you have a problem with someone in your church, uh, they have a marriage problem, they have a uh, family problem, they have a personal problem with anger or something, anxiety, you, send, you find a professional counselor. I said, this is not supposed to be this way. You are not to have to go out and pay someone to do what every person should be able to do. Because this has to do with the word of God and its power in your life. Jesus simply said, don't be anxious. He's, Paul said, put away your anger. You see, the power of God's word is here. But for many of us, we have lost hope in it. Why? Well, often we have fought well on some things. We have some measure of hope and confidence. But on other areas of our life, we have not done well. And so, and sometimes we get in a problem in here. And this is what I'll call a circle of, of despair, perhaps. Because I try to grow, I do a bit, a little bit. Satan just has to, whoop, and I fall back down again. A little temptation brings me all the way back. What's that, uh, shoots and ladder game? All the way back to the beginning. Almost the beginning. You see what's happening? We are not, have not learned what I think we should all learn in three years. To how the confidence in God's word. Now this is the way it should work. God helps me grow in one area of life. I use that trust as a bridge to help me grow. If he could help me in this, he can help me in that. All of a sudden, we have testimonies how God has helped me to grow. Not just how God helped me to be saved, but how he helps me to grow. And this is the greatest evangelism tool that you can have. Because everyone has bad marriages out there. 
Everyone's given up on his wife or husband or children or relationship. Now, if you had good news, that'd be great. But a lot of Christians, no, uh, not our marriage. But you see, that's what we're hiding. We don't know the confidence here. But you see what's happening at that level. If you don't have that confidence in God's word, if somewhere there's a battle that you've, you're failing in, there, you have to identify what you're not trusting in. And the Father's is that growing in intimacy uh, where he just wants us closer and closer. That third level never stops. We can keep going deeper. Are we going to go into worse crises? Yes. Are we going to go into worse trials? Yes. But why? Because God has a greater purpose of bringing us closer, bearing more fruit to our lives. That's why. And that never ends. It never ends. Because God wants to be closest with us, that we have a great trust in him, and that he's able to display his wonderful works through our lives. That never stops. And it's just so wonderful when we think of it that way. Are you growing right now? Uh, which stage are you at? Or which stage should you be at? What particular issues are you facing? Are you helping others to grow? As you grow in maturity, you begin to use what you've learned to help others. Do you know how to grow? So let me go through this chart here. This is the chart where we're page three, I believe, right here. With the three circles. On each stage, we're going to have some questions, and I'm just going to go, I'm not going to talk about all of them. Um, some of them about the new life. Are you really a believer? If you really question whether you're a believer, it's always good to ask. What makes me confident that I'm a believer? And don't be afraid. You can ask somebody else and talk to a good mature brother or sister and talk to them about it. You know, don't keep those secrets inside. Satan works in darkness. God works in the light. When you keep things secret, Satan can just play with you like a cat plays with a little mouse, dead mouse. A new believer. Uh, the biggest battle here is doubting your salvation, which connects with their security and their love. Uh, it has a lot to do with God can forgive me. All these issues. Really, they're basic doctrine, right? We all know that. You are just are saved by faith, not by our works. It's not by what I've done. It's not because I fail. But, you know, Satan plays it hard on us. When we fail, he really springs up and attacks us. Uh, does God want us a close relationship with us? Yes, he does. For the young believer, we're seeing how much time do you spend in his word? Do you enjoy those times? What areas are you battling right now? How do you handle defeat? When you do fail, what do you do? How long does it take to get back home? Are you going through trials right now? Uh, who are you presently serving or discipling? Can you share a lesson of life to help somebody else? These are issues that each of us need to identify. I want you to think through, if you've got a pen again, try to write one, yes, this circle. Try to write there one of the things I'm struggling with because this is what we're going to do on the next worksheet. Now, you have something that has some lines on it, uh, more detail to help you get thinking about these areas. I want to bring you to another chart, and that's the page four. Notice I've, I've just highlighted some issues. Maybe one of these are yours, maybe not. Problem with porn. Uh, every time I go to devotions, you know, it's, I'm distracted. I don't really pay attention. Angry with wife. Sometimes depressed. Any of these can make you say, I need to be renewed, right? I don't know what's mostly on your minds out there. 
if we had a survey, we should put that on the survey form. But you see, you need to identify that because this is at the exact point where you are flailing, not getting by, is where you need to see this is where I need God to be my Savior. And I'm going to show you how to do that in our last minutes. Let me quickly identify the four, I just call it four steps to find renewal. Okay, no matter what the issue is. I don't know if you have these on your sheets, by the way. You might need to write them down. They're not too difficult. Humility is the first one. That's the power of honesty. I have been talking about honesty, right? Honesty, confession. Confession is two-sided. It basically means in Greek to state what's true. But when we often think about confession, we often think about what? Confessing our sins because that's what's on our mind. But we need to confess always what's true. It's the truth that's going to help us. Even the truth about our failures. Don't hide them. This is my real me. When we can get real with ourselves, then all of a sudden we see how God fits into our life. As long as we pretend we're someone else, it doesn't work. God says, you don't want me, obviously. Why? Pride keeps God away. Humbling brings God closer. Freedom from sin. It's that be able to admit through the doctrine of the, the scriptures what's true by God's promise through the blood of Christ. When I acknowledge my sin, when I find myself in defeat, despair, depression, I'm not saying, by the way, all this is because of sin. Sometimes it's just moods, all right? It can easily enter into sin where we doubt God. Once it's entered into doubt, you know there is some sin there, okay? But there's stages. I'm, I'm just simplifying things. But we should be able to acknowledge, God, you have forgiven me of all my sins. I have hope of change. God, you can work in me. This is faith. If you want to put the word faith there, you can. You've got to go through the steps. Because it's once we humble ourselves, we're honest, we need God. It's the power of freedom that he gets rid of all that stuff in there through Christ. It's that hope now he's opening up the door. Hope. You want to work in me? You mean you haven't given up on me? Renewal. Renewal for meditation. I can't talk about this much now. Is taking God's word and pondering upon the truth so that I will not fall into those problems there. Now, I haven't said much about this, but there's a lot of books over here on having a good marriage, having a great marriage, actually. Uh, parenting on, let's see, reaching beyond mediocrity. It's a whole level two, how to overcome, how to use God's word. It's, it's that renewal. It's how to take God's word and to think about it so that Satan doesn't easily kick you again and make you fall. That's a process. It talks about Romans 12, 1 and 2. Renew your minds. How do you renew your minds? That's a process. So what struggle is yours? What struggle is yours? Have you identified it? I'm going to just take one, for example. Anybody want to give me an example? It doesn't have to be about your life. Maybe it's someone you know. Anyone give me an example of their situation where they renew, need renewal? I'll just go through these four. I can pick one of these four, but that might not be so interesting. Yes. Deal with teenagers. What got to be more specific? Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. As I said, I got 14. Yeah. They don't listen to you. At least they don't listen. You know, when they were young, they, yeah, daddy, mommy. Now I said, what do you say? Now I'm asking, you know, because it's even more important 
So, and I'll just pretend, and I'll just think about it. So if I'm dealing with a teenager, so let's say it's a mom dealing with a teenager, a dad dealing with a teenager, and there's a relationship issue. I want to get at the relationship issue. I need to go deeper. I need to find out exactly what the relationship issue. They're not listening. Okay, why is that struggle there? Is it a struggle in their life? Is it a struggle in my life? Is it our, I didn't build a good foundation? Okay, I need to be honest. And this is, I'm, I'm just talking to you right now. Because the honest part of it is, is pretty neat because we're able to open up our lives to others. Uh, even to our children, I know going cross-culture, uh, you know, it's not too easy to do that. But it's never difficult for a parent to really listen to a child. That's true. But let me just go through this. And I'll just use it from a, a parent's perspective. I'm not, remember, we don't want to look closely at that bamboo. So let me just go through this. And by the way, I always usually do it in prayer. And you might think this kind of weird, but this is where I find myself most honest with God and where I can go through each of these things in my own life. Now, I'm going to talk about it from the parent perspective. If, if you think I'm upset, I'm not being fair or something, you know, because I'm not talking about the teen. Well, as I say, we're talking about our renewal. And what we want to say is this, and I'll, I'll just say my hope, my belief is that as a parent, I can be walking in the Spirit all the time, doing my utmost to provide that love and guidance, wisdom and patience for my child during the teenage years. There's a good goal for you, right? Wouldn't you like to have parents like that if you're younger? Yeah, that's a, that would be good. <laughs> Very good. You know. So let's pray for that for ourselves. I'll just lead through a quick prayer time. Oh, Lord, uh, we just want to thank you so much. You've given me an opportunity to have this teenager, Lord. I pray for John. I pray for him, Lord. He's, he's 14. He's growing so quickly. I don't know what to say. He's being so rude lately. And I just feel so defensive. I can't talk to him. He doesn't want to listen to me. Oh, Lord, I could feel so... I like giving up. I don't want to be a parent anymore. Would you forgive me? I know you want to, me to love him. I know you want to come in my life. Would you forgive me for my impatience, the way I do shun him sometimes and get very defensive? Forgive me through Christ. Lord, I want to lift this relationship to you. I might not be the perfect mom, but I want to be that mom filled with your spirit that you could work mightily within to somehow give that insight, protection, and love to my son as he goes through these hard years of change. Help me, Lord. Bring me to think about your calling on my life as a parent. You entrusted me with these children. Help me to be able to learn how to trust you to parent them in your love. In Christ's name, amen. So I'll just stop there. I, I don't know if you noticed where you were peeking and going through the notes, but I, I was trying to highlight going from humility, freedom, hope, renewal. Okay. Now, again, as we identify our struggle, we can go through these four points. Now, you say, I'm, I'm telling you, by the way, from my experience, this works. It breaks through. Sometimes I'm the hardest thing. About three times a week, I'm reading God's Word. It's, it's dead, right? It's not alive. Nothing's happening. Now, I could just pretend, all right, I read the Bible. That's going to kill every one of us. That's what Satan wants. That's the parable of sower. Go back to it. He's come in here. He's... He, don't let them trick you. See, it's, in the powers, it's not the problem of the Word of God. The problem is my heart. So instantly, what do I do? My morning devotions, 5.30 in the morning. 
wake up, hold it, nothing's coming in. I go through a prayer like this. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> I'll pray again. I'm sorry. This is the way I do it. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I know your word is so precious, but my heart is so hard. I can't believe it means anything for me. I could run on my life today and not even read your word. I don't really think you're that important or your word. I know this is foolish thinking. Please forgive me. Forgive me and take away all my sin through Christ. Now, Lord, I'm your child. I need you to feed me. Take your word and empower me. This is what I need for today. Come, Lord, now. Speak to my heart as I reread your word. I need you. Speak to me, your servant. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. And it happens just within minutes. Now, you might need a little training in this, and it might take a little longer prayer. But I'm telling you, when you get honest and you confess, you are breaking through Satan's power hold of pride on your life. Because your problem is pride. You don't want to face the issue. You think it can handle it. No, I want us to be triumphant in a God who leads us into the promised land and leads us to a, a life where we walk in the Spirit and can also lead others in the same life. Do you have a question? Okay, a 14-year-old boy, um, I assume part of a Christian family, uh, refuses to go. Yeah, my parenting book would tell you a lot about that. Basically, you never give freedom to a child, but that really doesn't have to do much with this topic. You don't give freedom to the child. That's never a choice I give to him. He's going to church with me. So it's never a freedom you give him. You don't give him that choice. That's not a choice. Any questions on this topic? Yes. Okay, so her question is, once someone's saved, they feel like they don't need, have any problems. And, that every, and you feel that way for a while. I, I call it the bubble of salvation. You know, you're just walking around and everything is so beautiful. The sky is blue. And it, that is true. But that's why they need mentoring, because Satan's going to come with its attacks. That's why the baby needs that protection, because Satan is going to zoom in. Because if he can cripple the new believer, no problem to him. You know that's what he's going to do. That's why every one of them has to say, what's that new believer around me that I have to train and work with? We need to train people that we're struggling and growing all our lives. What does Peter say? We begin with grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And always, we can always keep growing, always we're confronting different problems. Uh, as we grow, our temptations will not see, have that same force. But from Jesus' example, even when he was about to go on the cross, we know Satan will always choose the best times to attack us. So you know if he's attacking you, you have that thought in your mind, uh, you're probably at a prone time to be tempted. Be careful. Find a friend. Pray. One last question. Uh, that's very good. We talk about that a little bit in the anxiety book because that's a little bit about that concern, right? About the anxiety, about stress, and not making those decisions. Because you don't make those decisions, every, everything else goes wrong. Okay, I mean, and that, that's what happens. And putting things off doesn't help. So your particular question is, that's true, it happens. Uh, how do you work through that? Uh, can I just use this example to pray it through? Oh Lord, um, I've been really trying hard to do my very best. And uh, I'm really confused. Because Laura, I don't, I'm really scared, actually. I don't know how to go forward. I'm scared because I might be wrong when I make a decision. I know, I don't know how you'll treat me. 
Uh, I don't know how others will look at me if I make a wrong decision. Would you please help me? Help me, Lord, to be able to glorify you through my life. I want your freedom, the power of Christ in my life, to be able to understand what I need to do. Then you will give me the power to accomplish it step by step. Help me to trust you in this time. And Lord, help me, Father, to focus on some scriptures that will help me, Lord, to know that you who began a good work will always be with me, even to the end of the days. In Christ's name I pray, amen. One thought as I was praying there. By the way, while you're praying, if you sense those thoughts coming into your mind, it's probably the Spirit of God working to prompt you to focus on a certain area of need. Uh, in this particular time when I was praying, what, what came to my mind was at level one, the lack of security. Sometimes children grow up and they, they have to be perfect. You ever hear about that? I have to be perfect. I have to get straight A's, 4.0. Otherwise, my parents are unpleased. Otherwise, I'm the, I'm not, I won't really belong and honor their Wong family or the Chen family or somebody. So sometimes just the insecurity in, in the physical development warps our spiritual development because our acceptance in our physical family often will bring that right onto our spiritual family. God doesn't accept me unless I do everything perfect. Rather than a dad that comes by, no problem. I'm glad to see how you're working hard. How, how about we work together on this one issue to get better? Rather than saying, I'm going to reject you if you get a, dare get a 3.8. You know, you see that sense of insecurity that happens? We do that in the spiritual realm. And God, we think God's going to treat us the same way. He doesn't. He comes right by our side. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, is one that comes right by our side. That's how it's defined in Creed. And just comfort us, puts us in. He's the exhorter. He's the one that carries us. You, you feel weak. You come along. I'll take you. We'll walk together. And that's what he does in our life. Let me just summarize here what we've been talking about. We've been trying to understand how to deal with different issues. If we're going to find renewal, we want to step back and take that broad perspective. We want to go further and be able to, once we step back, we'll be able to say, hey, this and this are my two areas that I'm struggling in. Instead of being afraid of them, we're going to focus on them and say, all right, God, this is what you're trying to teach me right now. Now, you might in your mind want to be doing other things, okay? You might want to go a mission field, but, you know, this bad marriage keeps coming to your mind. All right. Just take it before the Lord. Not being afraid, but in his love, bring in the worst of us, it is true, before him. Confess what needs to be confessed. Admit what's admitted. Find that freedom. When you are confessing, you'll find that hope begins to fill your heart because he'll come in there and say, you are special. You, I'm, I want to work with you. I want to help your marriage. I want to help you with that porn problem. And, wow, you still want to work with me. And then he brings that scripture to our mind. Oh, we need to train ourselves better to focus on those things to keep out of there. <clears throat> on the left here, I've identified a number of areas uh, that you might have a problem with and struggling with. But this does not take long. It, I know you might have been struggling with this for 10 20 years. But you know, within five minutes, you can bring renewal to your life. Just because he's committed to you.
from eternity to build you up in the fullness of Christ. Four easy steps. Don't forget them. Pass them on. Do you have any more questions? Well, I, I still have about two minutes for questions. Yes. Is there any biblical foundation for this pattern? I would say absolutely. Draw near to God. God will draw near to you. Pride keeps God away. Humility brings God close. The prayer is the means, okay? Um, it's not so much the prayers. The prayers is where I vocalize what's happening. You could write it down if you want, but it's really a prayer anyways, because once you make it personal and talking to God, it becomes a prayer. You'll see many of the Psalms, they go through, start with humility, they end up in triumph. And, and you'll see that pattern there. You'll see Psalm 119 is a very good example about very personal problems that he's working with, sometimes persecution even, and where he finds that freedom in God's power in his life. Anyway, any other question? Was there another hand back there? Yes, in the way back. Speak loud, if you would. Yeah, Ephesians, I think, 1.13 says the Holy Spirit is a down payment. This could be because of bad teaching. You know, some people say the Holy Spirit comes and goes. Um, this is where in the first part of our new believer's life, we need someone there to counsel us, you know, mentor us, disciple us, and we'll get the right teaching in our mind that the Holy Spirit's always with us. So that's not the question. See, that's something you shouldn't even be questioning because theologically, he's always with a believer. Now, the, the, the bigger question, I would first go back, are you a believer? Okay, Because all believers will have the Holy Spirit. That's the seed of faith, the seed of life that we talked about in 2 Peter 1.23. This is the seed of life, not perishable, imperishable. So the Holy Spirit comes along uh, with salvation, a salvation package, okay? And that, he will always be with us. Whether we feel him is not the issue. We act by faith, and you'll start sensing him working. And this is the way you'll feel the Holy Spirit. Like in this time, you will face a lot of problems trying to confess because Satan wants to keep you from it. Right? Every time. I, I, of course. We're all so proud. We really are. Um, the freedom through the confession. Work through that. Right, I find right at that point, we're going to find at that bottom, we'll come down and we'll start going up. That's where you sense the Holy Spirit starting to speak to your soul. And he'll come in and he'll start bringing hope. He'll, you'll just sense his uh, spirit trying to encourage you. Uh, you'll sense, well, what I couldn't do, I feel like maybe I could do now. And maybe he'll bring scriptures to your mind. Uh, this is the way the spirit would work uh, in those situations. Not necessarily feeling, but it's the thoughts. Satan brings thoughts into your mind. That's called temptation. Spirit of God brings thoughts in your mind. That's called exhortation. <laughs> Promises. One last question, then we'll pray. Well, th this, is, this is crucifying your flesh. <clears throat> in, in other words, if you don't confess your sin, you're allowing your lust, your focus on the world, your focus on self, your pleasures, your focus on your own purpose, to direct your life. We should totally always stay in a sense of renewal because that's where, or on a living all sacrifice, Romans 12, right? One and two. So at that point, we're always trying to stay as a, on the altar as a sacrifice. The crucifying of the flesh is admitting that that flesh is no good, that I, but I no longer need to live by its power. That's broken. 
I'm free as much as you feel like you couldn't. Uh, as I say, I, I've battled almost every type of sin, and I, that's why I know about all the insides of the story. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's the same thing for every type of sin, though, you know, whether it's pride or lust of some form. Uh, those are the things that will cripple us and uh, keep us back. Uh, it's been an honor to share God's victorious story with each of you because he wants not only to give you a constant spirit of renewing but in the spirit, but also that willingness to pass that vision on to others and lead them into renewal. Let's close. Lord, we want to thank you for the power of God in Christ Jesus to save us and save us to the uttermost. Not just bring us into the family name, but into the family likeness. And so, God, we just pray that the joy of the Lord God would fill each one of our hearts, that you would take whatever issues we personally are struggling with or trying to seek for wisdom on the behalf of others, that you would grant us that strength and wisdom, that you would empower us, that you would strengthen us, you would move us along, O oh Lord, that we would be people walking in the fullness of Christ, always being astonished at the glory of why you would choose us to work in such humble creatures. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us to be your children. Now lead us forth in the power of the Spirit unto your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Continuous Personal Renewal, a lifelong personal growth plan by Paul Bucknell. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation.